Hi, this is Jeff Cooper, and we welcome you to this Disney Insights Podcast. Formerly Disney at Work and Disney at Play, we're glad to have you here today. There is so much happening in the Disney parks and resorts across the world, and it's time to catch up. From Walt Disney World to Disneyland, from Paris to Tokyo, there are really cool things, crazy things happening, and we want to share them with you even happenings on the Disney Cruise Line as they celebrate their 25th anniversary. And yes, there are some lawsuits as well. We'll take a few moments to catch you up to date, but we really want to share some of the magic going on around the globe. In fact, we have over a dozen happenings throughout all of Disney that we just have to share. So join us for news around the world and lawsuits too. This podcast, as well as others, are brought to you by Performance Journeys, which celebrates its 20th year as a training and development group, bringing best in business ideas through keynotes, workshops, seminars, and amazing benchmarking programs to organizations in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. If you are seeking to improve your customer delivery, to re-engage the morale of your workforce, or to improve the leadership of your organization, We offer not only great solutions tried and tested from our time working intimately to raise excellence in organizations, big and small. At Performance Journeys, it's as much about the journey as it is about performance. Make sure you check out DisneyInsights.com. Make sure you subscribe to that um, blog as well as to this podcast so that you're notified when new podcasts come around we've got a lot of images and videos and links that support everything and we've got a lot of different things to talk about today well before we get very far along we do have to talk about the big news of this last week um the disney went forward to sue the state of florida and at the same time the central florida tourism oversight board uh, responded back by suing disney so let's just kind of give you an idea of what's going on here just the larger picture first off you'll recall that in our last major podcast disney sought to establish greater autonomy and agreements filed with the outgoing board of the Reedy Creek Improvement District before the Central Florida Tourism Oversight Board, appointed by DeSantis, took over. That happened and everybody felt like, ha, Disney, you know, got got DeSantis in the end, but angered when they realized what happened, that Central Florida Tourism Oversight Board immediately sought to take legal action to refute and nullify those agreements. This occurred even when Disney did openly do what they did under Florida Sunshine Laws. But the board was still embarrassed by the fact that they weren't aware of what had happened. They weren't paying attention. And as a result, they chose to take legal action to just nullify all that. When the board took that action, Disney turned around and filed a federal lawsuit that would seek to remove all that DeSantis had enacted. Everything, the entire board, everything. This lawsuit that they have filed has jurisdiction in um, the northern area where Tallahassee is. Tallahassee is the state capital of Florida. And since they are suing the government of Florida, they have to do it up there. That could be very much 
to their advantage because there is a judge appointed by Obama in that area that probably would side favorably uh, toward Disney. But when Disney filed that federal lawsuit, the board this morning uh, filed a lawsuit against Disney stating that they had no right to change the agreements before they took over. That lawsuit is being filed in a central Florida jurisdiction, kind of because Disney is in, in Florida. So the idea here is that if Disney can win their uh, lawsuit, then the other one which the board has filed really has no effect. Since what Disney is trying to do is gain the right to dial back the clock and restore the Reedy Creek, Reedy Creek Improvement District. The lawsuit in Tallahassee that Disney has filed seeks to establish that the governor was acting in a political bias against Disney and that no government has a right to be punitive toward an organization or corporation because they have voiced a different political opinion. Bob Iger talked about this in the annual shareholders meeting when he said, look, organizations in the 50s spoke out about civil rights. In World War II, organizations spoke out in favor of the war. And so organizations have been able to do these things and they've never been punished punitively by government. So as a result, they're saying it's it's not right. Tallahassee only did this, only put this new Central Florida Tourism Oversight Board in place because the government was trying to get even with the fact that Disney did not share the same political opinion that they had and that DeSantis had no right to do so. Now, DeSantis has made so many public statements of his objection of how woke Disney is and that um, it's hard to imagine in my mind that that DeSantis or the board could win the lawsuit Disney is filing against them. They have said so many things and once they go in and look at what emails have been written and what things have been stated that haven't been said publicly, even though everything said it publicly is, is damaging enough to, um, to the government's case against Disney, it really does give you the impression or the feeling that it's pretty hard for Disney not to win. And if that's the case, then the current board would just go away and ultimately Reedy Creek Improvement District would be restored. But of course, that may be some time in court before it completely plays out. The most unusual aspect of this is, in my, in my thinking at least, is how long Disney has taken to file such a lawsuit. It seems to me, and it was what I expected, when DeSantis put forward for the state legislature to nullify Reedy Creek and to put in this board, I thought as that played out, Disney would file a lawsuit then and there. In my view, they probably have been working on it well before that and were ready to go at that time. However, at that same time that those events were taking place, well, Disney changed CEO. And perhaps having Bob Iger in play may have been an open window Disney was putting before DeSantis to kind of 
quietly move on or not play this thing out. He could have, DeSantis could have easily said, well, now they got rid of the old CEO who, you know, really had said all the wrong kinds of things. We're going to move on. We don't need to pay attention to this. We got bigger things to do. DeSantis could have played low on Disney. DeSantis could have moved in a different direction and gotten away with it and been politically justified in doing so. Instead, he doubled down. He went even with greater force to actually make um, these changes and make it happen. And so Disney, in effect, kind of quietly made changes with the previous board before they stepped out. All of those, again, were legal. Disney has a team of lawyers. They do their homework. They do what they, they, they really put forward the effort to think through these things. I, I really would be surprised if it's anything less than absolutely the best and that they are getting really good advice, not only from their attorneys, but from other attorneys who, who are giving Disney direction. Long and short of this is, um, is that uh, with this time frame and because they've waited longer, it's only allowed DeSantis to continue making more mistakes and saying all the wrong kind of things that leads to Disney's advantage in, the, in a court of law. Still, lawsuits are kind of painful things. Now, I have to <clears throat> reference a New York Times article. There have been a lot of great articles out there. But I have to reference the New York Times wrote an opinion piece by David French, Disney versus DeSantis, how strong is the company's lawsuit? And um, I thought it was an interesting thing because he actually talks about a tow truck company in... Um, in Illinois, North Lake, Illinois, and the tow truck, what happened is the police department, every time there was an accident, they would call from a list of all these different tow truck companies. Well, apparently this owner, John Graziana, the owner of O'Hare Truck Service, um, decided he wasn't going to support the campaign of the incumbent mayor of North Lake. And so the mayor then kind of removed Graziana's company from the towing list. As a fact, Graziana sued. In essence, they basically proved in a court of law that government doesn't have a right to discriminate against someone because they think differently or believe politically different than you. This is really important because, and, and he plays this out in his opinion piece because you have to realize that while there are government appointees that are political appointees when somebody comes into office, there are still millions of government employees in the United States, and they should not be fired indiscriminately because they feel differently politically. That would completely disrupt good governance if you have any to begin with. And so it goes into a dialogue around all of that. But then I'll just read the last paragraph of this and then we'll kind of move on. At the beginning of this piece, quote, um, he goes to say, at the beginning of this piece, I said that DeSantis should lose, not that he will lose. Court outcomes are never completely certain. But this much is correct. A Disney defeat would represent a dangerous reversal in First Amendment jurisprudence and cast a pall of fear over private expression. In its complaint, Disney wrote, quote, in America, the government cannot punish you for speaking your mind, end of quote. That is true now and will remain so if Disney wins its case. If Disney loses, on the other hand, 
America's first liberty will be at risk, and the culture wars will escalate out of control. End of quote. So I hope, if I've spent time on this, I hope that the purpose or the benefit of spending time is to really enunciate the fact that there are First Amendment uh, rights that we have as individuals and that even companies have, and that they should not be punished by government for expressing a different opinion or holding a different point of view. I think that's really critical to our own democracy and our own welfare. And hopefully, as this very long process, I assume it will be a very long process, plays out, we will see that very thing occur. Now, I'll just mention this one other thing in all of uh, this business today. Um, it, uh, it appears that Disney, uh, I would call the Reedy Creek Fire Department, RCFD, but it's no longer Reedy Creek. And I don't know if they've really, you know, Central Florida Tourism Oversight District Fire Department. I don't know what they're calling them. That's really uh, humorous because if you see the image I posted in the blog post, big initials are used at the fire department, or at least the one across from Saratoga Springs to um, emphasize Reedy Creek Fire Department. But at any rate, it looks, it looks as though a union agreement, after four years of negotiation, the union representing uh, Disney World's first responders has reached a tentative agreement with the new board. And the new board is essentially allowing them to have basically a number of benefits and about a $10,000 uh, increase, I think at least in um, begin, beginner, beginning salaries. And so um, it also allows them to hire many more fire uh, fighters. It will take a few months before, at least a few weeks before this agreement is completely ratified and so forth. However, Reedy Creek firefighters have used this opportunity very well to gain some benefits for them and to, and to increase uh, their situation. I do have to agree that more firefighters probably is a good thing as the growth at Disney is so is so big. And so maybe if there's a, a, a good side to all of this, it may be that there are some uh, positives coming to the Reedy Creek Fire Department as a result of this. Now, having said all those things about the government, the, uh, the district and so forth, I'm going to now move completely away from that and go to really all the fun stuff. Let's start with the new Little Mermaid meet and greet. That is actually going into uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. Well, actually, there are three uh, meet and greets that are happening in different parks. Um, the one in Disneyland Paris that's going to be at the Walt Disney Studios Park, although it sounds more like it's going to be kind of a, a little bit of a show. One at Disneyland Resort over at the Small World Promenade area. But at Disney's Hollywood Studios, it's going to take place at the Walt Disney Presents. There is a meet and greet for uh, Solly from Monsters Incorporated. A really great meet and greet, I must add. But that is actually being removed and she is going to be added to this. Now, this is not uh, to take away from the meet and greet that is over at the Magic Kingdom that will still continue, but this will offer a, a little bit of variety as 
this area will represent um, uh, a an a, an a live action star that is more comparable to um, um, to the star of this upcoming film that is that has been created. So I think it's going to be quite interesting to see how that plays out. I'm sure there's going to be some long lines for people wanting to see that and to have that meet and greet experience. Now, what about Sully? Sully is moving over. If you'll recall, there was this little corner of the studios that was really themed, well, first of all, in the earliest days, it was themed to Pixar Studios. And in fact, all the, the brickwork was very similar to the brick design that was created for the Pixar Studios out in California. In the old days, this is where you lined up to actually go on Toy Story Mania. As the Toy Story Land was developed, they flipped the queue entrance to the back side of that building and created a new entryway for guests going on Toy Story Mania. They also created uh, a third um, ride-through system if there were two tracks in the original one and now there's a third track uh, playing out that game and allowing people to enjoy that attraction. So that was originally what was done there in that little corridor. Then, when all that was switched out Toy Story Land, they when Incredibles 2 came along, they did a whole uh, kind of Incredibles neighborhood there with uh, Edna Mode um, Studio that you could go visit and, and see Edna herself. And um, there was also the uh, the Jack Jack cookie. Is that what you call it? The chocolate chip cookie that was very popular. And there were little incredible kind of activities, um, kind of dances, and the characters came out and so forth. When the pandemic hit, all that went away. And frankly, it's been um, it has been frankly dead for since reopening. And for the better part of that time, it was even just shut, closed. Now it's reopening, but instead of just theme to Incredibles, it's going to include other Pixar friends. And so we see that uh, what's going to happen here is we're going to see not only the Incredibles, but we're going to see Sully from um, Monsters Incorporated. I would assume there are some others, but we haven't been told I don't believe um, for um, other than those characters you know the Edna Mode has actually and some of the Incredibles characters have actually been out in front of the Chinese theater and I thought that was really strange when that started about a month and a half ago I thought why aren't they using this Incredibles space I think it's a great idea to use Pixar Zone and call it Pixar Place and have lots of different different Pixar characters. That could be huge. It could be, again, going back to Bob Iger's interest in expanding and creating greater space so that more people can visit the parks. This is one of those spaces that's underutilized and could be so much better put to use. And so we'll see, we'll see how that fares as it reopens, I believe somewhere in mid-May. I'm not sure that we have a an exact date for that. Gotta also talk about Four Wilderness and the announcement made by Disney Vacation Club over the last week to create a new, uh, this is 
this one really actually surprised me big time. It's it's basically the cabins at Disney's Fort Wilderness are now being well renovated or replaced. I've heard both said, but I in the Disney uh, content that I've read, I've never read anything other than more of a remodel. And knowing Disney, I would expect a remodel. But I can also see looking at the diagram. Basically, this is a single wide trailer that's themed out, as was the cabins. It was just simply lots of uh, log looking pieces added to a single site. So I guess I, I, I don't mean to put down a single site trailer. There are people who live wonderful lives in, in, in such f uh, facilities. But when you think about the price point usually attached to Disney Vacation Club, it seems, it, it just seems crazy that they are targeting this spot of all places. You'll recall that prior to the pandemic, DVC had announced the building of what was called Reflections. And the Reflections um, was quickly criticized by a lot of um, blogsters and podcasters and so forth as being kind of a, a Springville or uh, kind of a Fairfield type Marriott property, uh, Springfield Suites, being a very low class, even a re it likened it to looking like somebody's retirement home development. It, it really was criticized and ridiculed. And they had made an initial investment. They cleared out all that land. They moved the stables, uh, costing them a couple of million to do that, built brand new stables, which are very nice for the horses, happiest horses on earth. And, um, and but when the pandemic kind of came across, came along, they kind of closed out all of that. Uh, building and and nothing has come back in in discussion of that space and and now they've come along and said we're going to take those cabins and in that space which by the way if you're not familiar where the cabins are located they're not located at the beachhead which is where reflections was which is where i would put a dvc property if i'm going to put a dvc property instead it's on the back end a little closer to the the front entrance of the campground. I again, the the image looks nice. It looks like it's going to be bright and airy. Uh, I know a lot of people. I've stayed in the cabins. I like the cabins. They were, it felt like a cabin. You know, um, kind of uh, a darker, um, but homier kind of look and feel. A lot of folks found that this was the most affordable place to take their families when they went on vacation, especially those who had several children. And now this is going away in lieu of these new um, uh, buildings that are, um, are coming in its place. Now, I should also mention that one of the challenges, and they've, they've acknowledged this, um, there are going to be a number of improvement projects. There's a nice pool um, at the meadows, but there, but and there is a pool near the cabins. But it is about as plain a pool as you could imagine having. It's no better than most people's backyard pool, and maybe even less than that. They have said that there is a proposed pool. There's some walking trail enhancements, 
and new expanded dining experiences at Trails End and Crockett's Tavern, with more news to come. Again, <clears throat> lots of food and beverage issues. I just think there's a lot of amenities that a Disney Vacation Club member expects when they're staying at a DVC property, and I'm just, I'm just wondering if this is. But I actually, a lot of people who own DVC seem to be very excited about this new, uh, new uh, addition to the DVC family. So we will see where it all goes. Uh, before we leave Walt Disney World, uh, two more things. First off, Bob Weiss, uh, former Imagineer and former leader of Walt Disney Imagineering, received a new window. Now, I think most people are familiar with windows on Main Street. And uh, there are so many of them, and they hold the names of former leaders and Imagineers and others who have played a significant role in the development of the organization. This was an opportunity to present Bob Weiss with an honorary window. But the window isn't on Main Street. It's on Hollywood Boulevard at Disney's... Well, actually, it's just off of Hollywood Boulevard at Disney's Hollywood Studios, um, uh, located above the Hollywood and Dine restaurant. Um, the window that he receives says Flower Street Pictures, Bob Weiss, Studio Head, our productions entertain the world. Flower Street references uh, the uh, name of, well, a, it's one of the streets that make up where Imagineering is headquartered out in California. Bob Weiss has spent more than 40 years with the Walt Disney Company. Two key projects he's worked on over the years, he's worked on a lot over 40 years. One of them was Disney MGM Studios. He led the development of that first um, first big park assignment that he had. And there's a great video out there that showcases him talking about uh, how Disney MGM Studios came to be. He is really, and that's why the window is there. The second one is more recent. Shanghai Disney is a project that he led out. In fact, after after he finished Shanghai Disney, he then became president of Walt Disney Imagineering from 2016 till 2021 uh, when he stepped down and announced his retirement. Just a fantastic Imagineer, one of the great Imagineers and, and a great Imagineer in the sense of not necessarily being related to some particular attraction ride, but his ability to truly lead and to utilize the talent of the organization in the best way possible to create amazing things. So I'm very happy for um, Bob Weiss and for this window. I mean, so I hope are on the off of Hollywood Boulevard, and I hope that he, they do one in. Um, in uh, Shanghai Disney as well. Now, in all of this, I should mention uh, that there's another window on Main Street that I want to talk about. Um, to understand this, Disney and Make-A-Wish celebrated this last week uh, a milestone of having provided 150,000 wishes granted together. Um, this is just an amazing number when you really think about how much effort it takes just to take care of each family that comes to um to walt disney world or to disneyland or one of the disney parks around the world as their make a wish as part of it um 
I don't know if everyone's familiar with the fact that during the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World, there was a special license plate. I managed to get mine right before the end of the celebration. Um, and uh, they put out a new a license plate. It's kind of in blues and it's kind of attached to the 100th anniversary. It has Cinderella Castle on it, so forth. But there is a new license plate and the um, monies for that um, go toward that specialty plate. In fact, I want to say that the that 1.5 million was actually raised for the previous plate for um, the 50th anniversary. So <clears throat> at any rate, long story short, in celebration of this milestone achievement at Disneyland, transferring to that place, Disney and gave a window on Main Street to make a wish, and it's really, it's really a very sweet um, gesture. It's actually um, near the First Aid Building, and it's actually a tribute not so much to um, one individual, but to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. However, there are two names that are mentioned as part of this tribute. One of the windows has a tribute to Chris, um, I hope I pronounced the name correctly, Grisius, whose wish years ago inspired the creation of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Then there's a center window, which celebrates the entire organization and has a little quotation that says, when there's a wish, there's a way. And then the third window honors Frank Bopsy Salazar, whose wish to visit Disneyland was the first official gr wish granted by Make-A-Wish over 40 years ago. So it's just a lovely tribute to, to the good that has come from Make-A-Wish and if you have a chance and you live in the central Florida area, you haven't gotten a license plate that has a Disney theme, you might want to consider this. Know that the proceeds goes to Make-A-Wish. If you're out in Disneyland, definitely check out those windows um, there in that, in that corner of Main Street. So um, this is a very cool thing. Now, moving forward, uh, we are still at Disneyland. Perhaps it's time to talk about a certain dragon. That dragon went up in flames, and I would guess that all of you have had a chance to see the video footage of Murphy. Murphy was titled such. The, the original uh, dragon in Fantasmic was very similar to the one at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Not as big. Our, our dragon is sits very tall in a very large arena compared to the arena or compared to the stage, which makes up Phantasmic uh, on Tom Sawyer Island at Disneyland. But our dragon works on kind of this boom that kind of, well, it's actually a, the whole thing comes out on a kind of train tracks and then the head comes up on kind of a boom and then the, the wings and body kind of hang by fabric and so forth and and stretch forward and that was kind of how the first dragon was but then they came up with about uh, about 10 years ago a new phantasmic and then it they came up with a really impressive dragon that really looks like the one in sleeping beauty the head had that terrific maleficent dragon look 
the body wasn't inflatable. It all kind of came out came out of a cellar kind of situation and then expanded to to become the dragon and then would come back down again at the end of it. Of course, the head spit out fire the same way the one does at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Only on this particular uh, 1030 showing, it um, not only spit out fire, it engulfed itself in fire. And apparently there may have been a leak or something. I don't know that they've made an official statement at this point. But at any rate, that fuel, which makes that possible for him to spit out fire, seems to have ended up putting the entire dragon on fire. Now, there is a backup plan. And I think it utilizes the mist screens, but it is thought that Phantasmic within a few weeks will reopen again with that backup plan utilizing the mist screens probably. In the meantime, it will take a little while. I would probably say, and I've heard numbers like 10 million for that dragon to create it. And I'm not surprised. It is an impressive creature. It's one of the things that makes... There's a couple of things that really makes the Fantasmic show stand out at Disneyland. One of them is that dragon. One of them is um, the Columbia sailing ship. And and to a degree, the Mark Twain um, boat as well. Those are the things that really make that show stand out. I think our show stands out for a number of other reasons over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. In fact, let's do that. Go over to our facebook page disney insights facebook page and if you've seen both phantasmics answer the question which one do you like the most and uh let's see let's see how uh, everybody thinks about these two phantasmic shows so go over to the uh, disney insights facebook page um any rate unfortunately um and by the way they called him, him murphy because when they premiered him about uh, 10 years ago he just, he just wouldn't perform correctly for a long time. And it so it was kind of like Murphy's Law. And they kind of attributed that name to him. Let's move on to Disneyland Paris. Two things happening or has happened there. The lovely Haley Mills. Now, if you are an old veteran like me, you will recognize the name Haley Mills. It's as almost as familiar as Annette Funicello, that first Mouseketeer. Haley Mills was known for The Parent Trap, for starring in Pollyanna and for doing a number of Disney films that just really, she's just a, a lovely individual in real life. And she was visiting Disneyland Paris. And so while she was there, she stopped by and visited Harrington's. Harrington's is kind of this, uh, it was really kind of a China shop to begin with. It has um, porcelain or, or other um, uh, high-end kind of gifts and products nowadays, Disneyana style products, has this, um, it is a beautiful retail outlet. The use the name Miss Harrington was used in, or Miss Harrington was used in Pollyanna. She was the, the um, distant relative that Pollyanna went to live with and the Harringtons were the richest people in the town and they took care of everybody. And so this was kind of based on that Harrington story. Anyway, there's a picture in DisneyInsights.com. Check it out. She's with the cast members there. Very lovely to see her show up at, uh, at really one of the only places you could see Pollyanna celebrated in any of the parks. We'll talk more about that. Remember, we've got a great Disneyland Paris 
uh, podcast going on. Do not miss that. Um, we'll probably be spending more time talking about another thing that happened at Disneyland Paris this week or that is going to happen this week. It looks like It's a Small World is finally reopening at Disneyland Paris. Almost every attraction at Disneyland Paris in the last couple of years has been completely remodeled and redone. And this is one of those attractions. In fact, when we were there in the summer, it was not even... Um, it was already down for rehab and it's been nearly a year since um it's a small world it's a very unique attraction a couple of things stand out it's kind of one large room rather than separated rooms and so there's this kind of a little bit of a cacophony of noise that kind of happens um as you kind of travel through it it uses a bright and intense color scheme Less of a Mary Blair style, but still very colorful look and feel. And the third thing that really stands out is the score. If you've not heard the score, they redid a score that is much more orchestral, much fuller, much is just, um, it is just magical. It is the best of all pieces. And I am embarrassed to say I probably have at least a dozen and a half to two dozen different musical pieces that's that play it's a small world this is the best of the best they really uh utilize it for disneyland paris check it out i'm as soon as i have a video i'll share that as well um, but i think cast members are previewing it this week and then it's rolling out to to the regular guests let's move over to the shanghai disney resort there is near their tron attraction a um a thing called Tomorrowland Pavilion. And what it has for since opening, it's held a Star Wars type um, interactive or exhibit kind of experience. Think Launch Bay kind of thing. That's what it's held over at uh, Shanghai Disney. But for, for, for the last little while, it's actually had an exhibit called Avatar Explore. Pandora. It's an immersive exhibition, and now it's been extended to uh, June 24th. Um, it's been open since September of uh, 22nd, and it's a very cool exhibit that is kind of celebrating all things. There's some high-tech interactives, uh, um, some projections and vignettes and so forth, and great places to kind of take your Instagram and so forth some of the retail and product and so forth. Um, again, it reminds us of the announcement that was made um, just recently about bringing Pandora into Disneyland. And I just want to say that I think uh, we need to think outside the box as to what that looks like. I'm still holding that they're going to use the area that is approximately taking up the where the motorboat cruise is and the Autopia. I could be wrong on that. But we will see what uh, what comes of that. Meanwhile, um, ex the Pandora Interactive Experience continues at Tomorrowland Pavilion. Over at Hong Kong Disneyland, it's Marvel Season of Superheroes. And that is a kind of festival or event that's going on. I've talked about, there's a, a need for me to do a podcast that compares all three Avenger campuses. And uh, I quite like the attractions that are there. I'm not a big fan of Buzz Lightyear 
and they took the Buzz Lightyear attraction, kept the technology kind of thing, but they have a sort of Ant-Man and the Wasp nano battle that goes on there. And I quite like it. I like the look and feel. I like uh, the tone of it. They also have something called the Iron Man Experience, which I think ought to be in other parks as well. It is uniquely designed. It is a simulator attraction similar to Star Tours, only you are going with Iron Man over the uh, the cityscape of Hong Kong to um, uh, support the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And um, any rate, it's, it's a very cool attraction and... Now this, uh, during this experience, they have unique retail and food and beverage and superhero opportunities uh, to meet Thor and Spider-Man and Ant-Man and Captain America and Iron Man and Captain Marvel and Black Panther and so forth. So they're just really kind of creating a, a terrific little season. It's going on till June 22nd there at Hong Kong Disneyland. All right, now we get to Tokyo Disney Resort. And Tokyo Disney never disappoints. And that is truly, that is truly the case here. Because they have created this thing. I, it's hard to describe, but, but let me set it up this way. There was a time at the Tower of Terror at Disney's Hollywood Studios where they would select um, children, one or two children, to be an honorary bellhop for the Tower of Terror. And they had this little coat, the little hat, the whole bit. And as their parents got off the Tower of Terror, they would greet, um, their, as the doors open, they would greet them as all dressed up as a bellhop. It was a very cool little moment. It got kind of bogged down because... Ah, the hat on many people, on many kids' heads. You know, does some kid have lice? Da da da. And you get, unfortunately, you get into all these little crazy things. So imagine, kind of an honorary bellhop, but instead, it is an honorary custodial host. <laughs> now you wouldn't think that's such a big honor, but here's here's what makes it really unbelievable is that this is actually part of a package, two-day, one-night package. Yet, in other words, you're actually paying for the privilege of picking up trash at Tokyo Disney. It's, um, let's see, let, let me just read this article. Quote, Tokyo Disney Resort has just announced that it's bringing back its custodial cast experience package designed as a way to make a child's want-to-try come true this sees young participants spending two days um, under the leadership of Tokyo Disney's custodial team who will teach them how to prepare for life as a cast member, fit them in their own costume, and they do, they have their own costume, show them how to sweep and create Disney magic and award them with a commemorative medal and photo of their experience. Um, <laughs> I think this was from um, Inside the Magic. <laughs> Not my favorite. But it, 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 it went on to say, think less child labor and more unique vacation experience. Anyway, it's, it's, uh, I'll have to put the link up there as well as the image. It's a very unique, only at Tokyo Disney would you have this kind of experience going on. On another note, let me also just say, and I kind of talked about this uh, when I got into a conversation about how many table service restaurants there are in Frontierland 
in Magic Kingdom style parks. And I had forgotten to mention Diamond Horseshoe Restaurant in Tokyo Disneyland's Frontierland. They've had different shows. Well, because of pandemic, that all went away. Now they have created two new shows. The first is the Diamond Variety Muster. It's premiering at the Diamond Horseshoe. Um, and it's going to star Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and Donald Duck and Daisy and Clarabelle Cow and Horace Horsecollar and Clara Clock. It's a variety show with songs, uh, country and western melodies. And and uh, I can't even begin to quite describe the food, but I put a picture of it. Horseshoe-shaped bread, tortilla rolls, sausages and fried chicken. Sounds familiar doesn't necessarily look that way. Gotta take a look at the picture. At the same time, I also um, put in a video of the new show and, well, dinner show experience. Remember, uh, for those of you at Disneyland, that there used to be a luau you could go to at Disneyland. They have Mickey's Rainbow Luau that is coming, and that's Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Chip Dale, and Clarice. Um, Chippendale's friend. They're returning to the Polynesian Terrace restaurant and they're celebrating the music and dance styles of the Polynesian islands and they've got their own menu as well. You got to check out the video. It's really cute. Um, dancing and so forth. But that's what makes Tokyo Disney so interesting is that they offer so many really unique things. Well, let's finish with the last place that we want to cover, and that is Disney Cruise Line is celebrating its 25th silver anniversary at sea. That kicks off actually Monday, May 1st today. And so if you're sailing uh, during the summer, there are a number of things that will be part of that sailing. There's a new look for the characters that's kind of um, what they call shimmering seas. It's kind of white and aquatic green um so they're gonna don these outfits uh and and do special meet and greets they have themed food and beverage throughout the experience to include a 25th anniversary cupcake and a captain mini uh rice treat um also a, a cocktail there is a new fireworks show that is being put on and uh it will be a a part of the experience on Bahamian, Caribbean, and Mediterranean uh, cruises that are four nights and longer. I learned, I learned that they don't do fireworks on the Alaskan cruise. They don't do it because they don't want to frighten or disturb the animal life that is nearby as you sail through that corridor. I've come to learn that because this summer, my wife and I are celebrating a big milestone birthday of hers by going on the Disney Cruise Line to Alaska. So we'll be covering some really great things there. And then later in the summer, uh, my entire family is going to Disneyland and we'll spend a few days to catch up with all the things there. We uh, didn't talk about the new uh, show going on at Disney California Adventure. I should have included that as well. So there's a lot of things coming this summer going into some of the final things that are merging at Epcot as that opens up with Moana and other things, the Communicore. 
So lots of things ahead of us. Make sure you are subscribed to Disney Insights. Make sure that you have a chance to check out our uh, blog post at DisneyInsights.com. Also, our YouTube page, Disney Insights, for all that you want to do. While you're there at DisneyInsights.com, make sure you also check out our Patreon group, which is the Wayfinder Society. You know, that Moana theme. It's based on the idea that you could discover even more Disney magic through a number of interactive tools that we provide that explores all sorts of different places, including best in business practices, which are a hallmark of what I present in my programming that I do via Performance Journey. So be sure to check out that uh, Patreon group and help support this podcast. Well, thanks for joining us and being part of uh, this podcast today in the words of Sinbad Storybook Voyage. Always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon. <laughs>